Paper shredders come in all sizes and prices from, you know, the small, inexpensive ones meant for only a few pages to large, commercial uh, machines used by professional shredders that cost thousands of dollars. Here at Ascension, we used to have a paper shredder in the closet that it almost always seemed to get jammed. Someone will come in and start feeding in paper, and you'd hear the grinding, and all of a sudden, beep, 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 which means it was jammed. And then you hear the frustration of the person trying to tear the paper out of the paper shredder to get it unjammed. Sometimes it wouldn't even start at all. You'd set the paper in there and keep pushing it in and in and in until finally it would shred the paper. But the new one, ah, it seems to be working much, much better. A different design, a different concept, a different orientation of the blades. But no matter of what size, make, or model of paper shredder, we all have a knowledge uh, about paper shredders. Well, today, our final sermon on this series of Jeremiah, we meet Mr. Paper Shredder himself, King Jehoiakim. Our text is from Jeremiah 36, verse 23. As Jehudi read three or four columns, King Jehoiakim would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire. (laughs) The Jays seemed to be running wild this morning. Jehudi was in Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, reading Jeremiah to Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, as he cuts it with a knife. Our paper shredders we use to shred up sensitive documents, bank statements, credit card statements, health issues, or credit cards. But what got into Jehoiakim? Why was he shredding God's word? Especially the words of Jeremiah. Oh, I know. Jeremiah spoke words of destruction and exile, but he also spoke words of hope and healing, and good news. I mean, think of some of the good news you've heard over the last several weeks that came from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 23, I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you shalom and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.13, then the young women shall rejoice and dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. And then, of course, the well-known one. I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Good news from Jeremiah. So what got into Jehoiakim that he would shred God's word? You know, and so do I. This is the work of the 
paper shredder. Oh, we don't usually call him by that name. We call him liar, deceiver, destroyer, accuser, devil, serpent, Satan. Satan doesn't want us to delight in God's Word. Satan doesn't want us to have power in God's Word, hope in God's Word, life in God's Word, forgiveness in God's Word. And so Satan will take any chance he can to shred God's Word. Want some proof? In a recent Barna, George Barna survey of Christians, these were the stunning results. 58% of Christians don't know who preached the Sermon on the Mount. 52 don't know that the book of Jonah is in the Bible. 70% don't know that God helps those who help themselves is not in the Bible. And 15% agree that the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luther, and John. Why does Satan want to shred God's word? So that he can then shred our lives. Satan meets us in the morning and says, this day is hopeless. Go back to bed. Satan meets us in the bathroom and says, you are ugly. No one can love you. Satan meets us at the end of the day and said, you are a sorry excuse for a Christian. God is finished with you. If we didn't have God's word to push back against these lies, Satan would chew us up and spit us out like a paper shredder. Martin Luther knew this. In the hymn, A Mighty Fortress of, uh, is Our God, he wrote these lyrics. The old evil foe now means us deadly woe. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms in fight. On earth is not his equal. That's why Martin Luther embraced God's word full throttle, especially his words from Romans. Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ. Romans 4, he was delivered over for, to death for our sins and raised for our justification. Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.20, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Enter, though, another paper shredder, the medieval Roman Catholic Church. In 1517, the Archbishop of Brandenburg named Albert was selling indulgences. And Martin Luther used God's word against such indulgences. What are indulgences? 
Indulgences are pieces of paper purchased by people and signed by the Pope to get people out of purgatory. Now the peas are running wild. Indulgences promised life or years shortened out of purgatory. Well, you see, Albert of Brandenburg had bought this bishopric in Brandenburg. And he owed the Roman Catholic Church lots of money. So he came up with this scheme that instead of buying it out of his own treasures, he would sell indulgences and have people, uh, the faithful Christians, buy it for him. Luther wrote his 95 theses saying that indulgences were bogus. And because people started believing Luther over the Pope, Albert was out of some big bucks. So what did he do? Martin Luther and God's word have to be shredded. In July 1519, then, two years later, a debate was set up between Martin Luther and Johann Eck. Johann Eck would defend Rome's position that people are saved in large part by the things that they do. But Martin Luther would not budge on salvation by grace alone through faith alone for Christ's sake alone. After the debate then, Pope Leo X excommunicates the reformer. The sentence or words that start this excommunication come from uh, Psalm 80, verse 10, in which it's, he wrote, Arise, O Lord, a wild boar has invaded your vineyard. Well, who is this wild boar that has invaded the church's vineyard? Martin Luther, of course. Martin Luther had to, in God's word, had to be silenced and censored. And it all came to a head then, in 1521, when an imperial meeting or diet was scheduled, uh, was planned in Worms, Germany. On April 17th, Luther was made to stand before the Holy Roman Emperor and the church council, and on a table in front of him were his writings that he had and his teachings, and he was told to recant of the heresy in those teachings. So Luther, looking at them, said, can I have an evening to think about and pray about this? And they granted him that evening. The next morning, April 18, 1521, he was standing again before the Holy Roman Emperor and the church council. And this is what Luther said. Luther said, my conscience is held captive to the word of God. It is not safe to trust popes or church councils unless you can show me by scripture and plain reason I cannot and I will not recant anything. Here I stand, so help me God. This is Peter, 1 Peter 1.25. The word of the Lord endures forever. Rome's response? God's word has to be silenced, censored, shredded. 
Luther's conviction and courage comes from the central teaching of Scripture. Christ crucified for us. Because of Christ crucified for us, all those promises that we've been hearing from the book of Jeremiah are true. Christ is our righteousness. Christ gives us a hope and an eternal future. Christ loves us with an everlasting love. Because of Christ crucified, my mourning turns into joy, my sadness into gladness. Because of Christ crucified, God says to us, I will forgive your iniquity and remember your sins no more. That's because Pontius Pilate handed Jesus over to professional shredders. The soldiers shredded the back of Jesus, ripping open skin and muscle, exposing bones and ribs, preparing him for the biggest, most industrial-grade shredder of the day. The Roman soldiers called it Mors Terpissima Crucis, the ugly, vile death on the cross. Jesus was shredded and crucified. He died and was buried. The end? I don't think so. Jeremiah 36. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch, who wrote on it at the dictation of Jeremiah, all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had shred and burned in the fire, and many similar words were added to that. Let me repeat that last sentence. And many similar words were added to them. Jeremiah said, you mess with my sermon and you'll get even more next time. Jeremiah's scroll was resurrected, and then some. The resurrected scroll of Jeremiah is a prelude to another scroll that was resurrected, and then some. Christ, the Word made flesh, rose again. The people who saw him were beside themselves. Mary cried out, Rabboni! The, war, the disciples on the road to Emmaus said, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road? Thomas confessed, my Lord and my God. Alive with the life of Jesus and the breath of the Holy Spirit is God's word. For you right now, it announces forgiveness of sins, showering of grace, a rekindled hope. God's word announces that weakness is strength, less is gain, that servanthood is greatness. Everywhere that God's word is preached and taught and studied and read and memorized, it is victorious over every satanic force that seeks to destroy its power. Again, Luther said, 
My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant. Here I stand. Luther stood on the word of God. 1 Peter 1.25 The word of the Lord endures forever. In Latin, it's verbum dei manet in aeternum. V-D-M-A. Luther had that embroidered or sewed onto the sleeves of his coat, and many of his colleagues did in their cloaks. We, today, take that V-D-M-A and put it deep in our hearts and in our minds. Verbum dei manet in aeternum. The word of the Lord endures forever. This is where we stand. So help us God. Amen.